0: When I lived in North Carolina, my first church, uh, I went out and borrowed my dad's tiller because he only lived a few miles away, and I broke up a piece of ground um, in the backyard. It was a very fertile area and planted a garden. It was only like three rows, but it produced quite a bit for us of some of my favorite things and some of Nancy's favorite things, and so we, we put those out in the garden. I moved to Savannah. I don't know if any of you ever lived in Savannah. Savannah has these, some people call them noceums or sand gnats. I call them flying piranha. Okay, they, the, the morning and the evening, the times when you'd go out and work in your garden, well, it's just not fit for man or beast. And so I kind of gave up the gardening bug when I was in Savannah. And then I got here. And we, we have a very nice house, very nice lot. We, we, you know, we're, we're really happy with what we've got, but there's really not a good place to put a garden. Um, backyard's way too shady. The front yard would be perfect, but I'm not sure my neighbors would appreciate me going out there and tilling it up and putting a garden in the front yard. And so I have to kind of sponge off everybody else. But I grew up with a garden. Any of you grew up with a garden? Many of you have gardens right now. They're wonderful things, those fresh vegetables. There's nothing better than that first tomato sandwich. I grew up with a garden. Now, my dad was a bit of a fanatic about a garden. It started out fairly small, And then he talked our neighbor who lived behind us, who had a big chunk of land back there, he talked our neighbor into letting us have it. And so we went from a few rows (laughs) to about an acre, it seemed like. He even went and bought an old John Deere tractor and fixed it up. Now I got to tell you, I enjoyed the produce from it, but there were days that I wished I didn't have to get up and go out and put the severing dust on the collards there were days that I wished I didn't have to go out there and help my dad dig up the potatoes and carry them in those baskets with the wire handle, kind of cuts your hand as you bring it back in. But, you know, I learned a lot as I look back on it. I learned a lot about hard work. I learned a lot about God's creative power. You see, what we would do is we'd take just a little sliver of a potato and we'd put it in the ground and then given time and sunshine and uh, rain and a little care from us it would produce scores of potatoes or you take that that little little bean and you put it in the ground and you cover it up and again with time and soil and uh, and and the rain and the sun it would produce just dozens of, of string beans so much so that my mother and grandmother would just have to kind of can all this stuff so we could eat it later in the year let me you know exactly what i'm talking about we've just come through a 40 days of community emphasis And the reason I talk to you about gardens and things growing is because I do not want us to see our 40 days of community emphasis. I don't want us to see it as a harvest. I want us to see it as a planting. As just a small taste of what is to come because in God's ecology, that's the way it works. God begins with these small things, and he ends up making something absolutely incredible. So what did we experience? What did we plant? We planted some relationships. There are people that I joined together with in a grace group that I knew but didn't really know, and now I'm knowing them much, much better. And building relationships with them, you've had that same experience. Guess what? We want to see that multiplied so that everybody has an opportunity to get into an authentic relationship, to develop those authentic relationships with other believers because they're so vitally important. What else did we plant? We planted community ministry. Just talking to people this morning about that community ministry and that excitement that was generated as we actually went out, rolled up our sleeves, got our hands dirty to connect with people and to show them the love and the grace of God in tangible ways. My hope and prayer is that that wasn't a harvest. It was a planting. And that we got a taste of the joy that comes in serving others in Jesus' name. What else did we plant? We planted ministry together so many of you signed up saying hey i want to be a part of what happens here i want i want to be i want to be the guy who stands there and hands out the bulletin at the door and smiles and helps people figure out where they're going i want to, i want to be i want to be the person who helps in childcare so parents can sit here on sunday morning and feel very at ease and very comfortable and be free to worship on sunday morning i want to be i want to be the guy that pulls the trash can pulls the trash can out to the highway, and brings the trash can back so that the, the staff doesn't have to worry about doing that or forgetting it and having to run it out there when they hear the truck coming. I want to be a part. I want to do, I want to do my part in what God's doing here. And I pray that that's not a harvest but a planning because I believe that God has bigger things in store than you and I could ever ask or imagine. In fact, my prayer and my hope are very similar to Paul's prayer and Paul's hope found in Ephesians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, I want to ask you to open them with me to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 14 to 16. Now, if you didn't bring your Bible, that's okay. We're going to put it up here on the screen. But if you did, I'd love for you to follow along in case you want to write a note or jot something down in the margins or highlight something as you see it there. Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21 Would you stand with me and honor the reading of God's true and holy word this morning? Paul sharing his prayer life for the Ephesians. For this reason, he says, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and high and long and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now, to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You can have a seat. This prayer expresses Paul's joy in seeing what God was already doing. You know, he begins it, for this reason. Well, what is the reason? Paul had been talking about how the Gentiles had become a part of the life of the body of Christ. And you'll remember that uh, Jesus came, uh, Jesus was Jewish. He came to Jewish people. And yet the message of the gospel was not limited to them and began to expand. Jesus said in Acts 1.8 that the, the, you will see power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria now breaking the bounds, getting outside of the Jewish people to Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And what Paul was a part of seeing happen was that this was being fulfilled. And Gentiles were coming into the church. Gentiles were being accepted and were worshiping alongside Jewish people. Now for you and for me, that does not, it doesn't register. We don't get the impact of these two kinds of people who really, really, really disliked each other who wouldn't go and eat in one another's home, who wouldn't do business with one another, who wouldn't speak to one another when they passed on the street. And now here they are, here they are, and through the through the message of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit, God is bringing them together as a dwelling place for himself. That's the term that Paul uses earlier. He's bringing them together as a dwelling place for himself. You remember that Jesus had said that there's going to come a time when God's not worshipped in buildings made with human hands. You'll remember that God is not going to be contained by a building. Instead, God is choosing to live in his people. And that's what Paul was seeing happen. And Paul was excited about it. Paul was joyous about this. But he understood that it was just the beginning. It was only the tip of the iceberg. With that in mind, he said, I kneel before the Father, the Father of our family. Jew and Gentile who are all in Christ, I kneel before the Father. Now, for us, we think about kneeling. It's no big deal. Sometimes we do that when we pray. But the typical Jewish prayer posture was standing. To kneel was a special act of submission. And Paul was coming before the Father and literally pleading with him, Father, this is what I want to see happen. This is my heart's cry for the church and for these believers in Ephesus. Now, we could spend a long, long time breaking down this prayer, but for the point of this morning, I would like us to really kind of hit the high points in these verses until we jump down to that outburst of praise a little bit later. And so, if you've got your grace notes... You're going to notice something strange. There are no blanks. Now, there's a reason for that. I sent the wrong copy to Nancy Miller. So you are the benefactor of my mistake. You don't have to take notes today, but I do pray that you'll use these in your own personal study and reflection and certainly for your grace group coming up a little bit later today or this week. And so we're going to take a look at these truths that come from uh, Paul's prayer here in Ephesians chapter 3. And so I'm just going to hit the high points, and you've got them right there, so you'll see the points. But I want you to listen up. We're going to we just kind of hit them and go. First truth is this. God's resources are unlimited. He prays that God, out of his glorious riches or out of his, his wealth of riches... This is so important for us to understand. We do not go to a God who's limited, nor do we go to a God who's stingy. We have a God with unlimited resources who can supply all of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. The second truth, God provides inner strength through the Holy Spirit. As he's praying, he says, or as he's talking about this prayer, he says, to strengthening you with the power through His Spirit, in your inner being. Now, this is awfully important for us to know. So many of us try to go through life living by our own willpower, living by our own power inside. We're going to make these decisions, and by golly, we're going to stick to them, and what we end up doing, if you're anything like me, is falling flat on your face. Because quite honestly, as strong as you might be on the inside... You don't have the power to live this life for Christ. If you're going to live the Christian life, you're going to do it through the power of the Holy Spirit, or you're not going to do it at all. Paul talked to the Galatians church. He said, listen, why why, when you began in the Spirit, are you now walking in your own power? That's not the way God planned it. And so we need to understand that there is an unlimited spiritual resource available in you because of Jesus Christ the third truth that we note here is this the strength God provides is not simply to help us face life's challenges but to grow our faith I could spend a week right here because this is so misunderstood we believe that God's power is simply to help us overcome temptation, simply to help us face the challenges of getting up and going through the day God's power does do that. But that is not God's ultimate aim for your life. Listen to this. God's ultimate aim for your life is that Christ be formed in you. That you be more like his son. Because he knows this. If you are more like his son, having having put on the attitudes of Jesus, then your actions will be more like Jesus. You will be able to face the challenges of the day with God's strength because you are being transformed, changed from the inside out to be more like Jesus. We want to be comfortable. We want to be comfortable. I want to be comfortable. I want to relax. But I got to tell you, God is far more interested in your character than he is in your comfort. He's far more interested in Christ being formed in you than in your comfort. And I'll be quite honest, if it takes making you uncomfortable for Christ to be formed in you, God will do it. Paul's prayer was not that, hey, I pray that everything goes well with you and that you never have any more problems in your whole life. No, he said, listen, I'm praying for God to give you out of his unlimited resource, out of his unlimited power, I'm praying that he's going to give you strength to be more like Jesus. That's what he's praying. That's what he's hoping for them. Truth number four, our faith begins with embracing God's love. That is, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That is where our faith journey begins. When we receive the love of God in Jesus Christ, that's when our faith journey begins. But our lives are spent learning the infinite vastness of that love. We are on a journey of discovering the love of God. Notice, and I put uh, kind of segments from Paul, what Paul wrote here. He said, first, being rooted and established in love. That's the beginning of the faith, having your roots down in the love of God through Jesus Christ, having built your life on the foundation of God's love for you through Jesus Christ. But then he goes on to say, I'm praying that you'll be able to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ And to know this love that surpasses knowledge. One translation says to know this love which is unknowable. Which, in short, he's saying, you're going to keep growing. You're going to keep learning. You're never going to get your graduate certificate. You're never going to have a diploma. You're going to keep growing throughout your entire life. You're going to come to understand the love of God. More and more and more. And that should be your pursuit in life. And then the fifth truth is this God's desire for our lives, God's desire for our lives is that we be filled with Him. He's praying that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God, that you may be filled with God. Now I have a real simple question before we launch out a little deeper. And that is this. For how many of you is your desire, your ultimate desire in life, to be filled to the measure with the fullness of God? Some of us just have a hard time making room for any of God. But Paul's desire, Paul's prayers, that they just be so full of God That they overflow. Now, having expressed that, Paul goes into this burst, this outburst of praise. Notice in it, he says this Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Notice, when God is at work, what He's able to do. When God is at work, what is He able to do? Immeasurably more, infinitely more than we could ever ask. I've got to tell you, I could ask a lot. God is able to do infinitely more than I could ever ask or even imagine. Beyond my wildest dreams. This comes up every time I go through beginning with grace, and I was going through our dream statement. For those of you who've been through it, you've seen that. At the end, it talks about God's grace and love being expressed to Greensboro, Green County, and the Lake Oconee area, and what I came to realize was, you know what? That dream was just a little too small because God is already reaching beyond those bounds. He's bringing people from greater distances to connect with us, and we're finding out that the impact of this church, not just the sermons on the internet, but the impact of this church on the lives of people outside our community is ever expanding. It's like a pebble being thrown into a pond, the ripples keep going and going and going. We can't outdream God, our dreams can't be big enough for God. He is able to do immeasurably more beyond anything we could ask or imagine. Now, i got to tell you, when we sat down and talked about 40 Days of Community and what we'd like to see out of it, everybody on that team is thrilled with what was done. We're excited about it. God did more than we could ever ask or imagine. But that's only the tip of the iceberg. I believe with all my heart that if we are committed to follow the course that God has set out for us in the power of the Holy Spirit, together, that what God will do in the days and the weeks and the months and the years to come will dwarf anything we've ever experienced. That does not mean that my dreams are for a 5,000-seat worship center in Greensboro. Now, if God wants to do that, that's fine. But what I am saying is this. You may have a plan, a vision, a thought. This is what I think God could do. And i got to tell you, God wants to put a stick of dynamite in it and blow it up. God wants to do things far bigger, far greater, far more powerful than you could even ask or imagine. And so we've gone through this 40 days of community emphasis. But the question we need to ask is, what happens after day 41 and beyond. What is it that God might want to do? Now, remember, Paul's prayer is that the church would be strengthened in their faith and would bring glory to the Lord as they became more like Jesus in attitude and action. And I believe that this is God's heart for us as well. In fact, it reflects our vision. Have you ever seen this image before? I hope so. Believe, belong, become. That. Let me tell you what that means for those of you who who don't know, and for those of you who do know, here's a refresher course. Our desire for every person who comes in contact with Grace Fellowship is that they believe in Jesus and have a growing faith. We not only want you to come to know Christ as Savior, we want you to have a growing faith. We desire that you belong to a grace group and that you connect, really connect with other believers in authentic relationships because it is a miracle grow for your spiritual growth. But we don't want you to just believe and belong. You know, I heard one guy say that, you know, the church today wants people to believe, belong, and behave. If you behave, that's great. But that's not what the Bible says. In fact, the early Christians were kind of known for being, uh, turning the world upside down, setting the world on fire. So instead of believe, belong, and behave, what we desire and I believe what God desires and certainly reflects what Paul prayed for for the Ephesians As you believe and belong and become and you become more like Jesus daily in your attitudes and actions that's our desire for you ultimately that's what we want to see for you that you become more like Jesus every day in your attitudes and actions which is exactly what Paul was praying for for the Ephesian believers that they be filled with the fullness of God that Christ is formed in them And that's what we want for you. You see, each of us, each and every one of us, no matter where we are along it, are on a spiritual growth path. The Bible tells us that we're to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We're not just to sit and soak. We're to grow. And this church family, this church family has the glorious responsibility of coming alongside you to help you. In other words, you don't do this alone. You're not on this path all by yourself. You have a family. You have elders who are wanting to lead you, who are wanting to pray for you, who are wanting to encourage you. You have a church family who comes together and worships with you. You have a smaller group of people who love you and encourage you and hold you accountable. All these things tie in together because we're in this together. You see, this reflects one of our core values as a church. Every Christ follower has a personal responsibility to take ownership for his or her own spiritual growth, while we as a church have a responsibility to provide the inspiration, information, and resources necessary for that growth to occur. Think about that. That is the responsibility of the church to provide the soil in which for you to grow. But we can't make you grow. You have to take personal responsibility for your own spiritual growth. And no matter what we do, if you don't want to take responsibility, odds you growing are pretty slim. Now, on the same token, you need to be in a church, and hopefully this is it. You need to be in a church that says, wait a minute, we do want to provide the information, the inspiration, the resources necessary to help you to grow. And all this is done as the Holy Spirit leads and empowers. With that in mind, I want to show you something today that you're going to see more and more as it is developed more and more coming along because you need to know that there is, on behalf of your church, a desire to see you grow and provide an environment in which that growth can occur. And so we're developing a roadmap to spiritual maturity. You've got a copy of this also. This is not exhaustive. This is representative, okay? Because we believe that the Christian life is a journey and that you are on that journey and there is a destination for you. This is not intended to be a one-size-fits-all program, nor is it intended to be a legalistic checklist. I don't know, maybe you've seen those. Hey, if I've done this, 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 and this, I've been a good Christian today. That's not what this is about. This is about a journey of faith. This is about a journey Of growth, what we hope is that you will discover the next step. We want to provide the environment and the resources for you to find that next step along your spiritual growth. As you take responsibility for your spiritual growth, as the elders come alongside to help lead that growth, as you have uh, an environment of worship, uh, a small group to encourage you, and as you have the power of the Holy Spirit, we want to see you grow. I want to see you grow. My desire is no different than that of Paul's and no different than that of Jesus to see you grow into the image and likeness of Jesus Christ because your spiritual life is a journey. Your salvation was the first step on that journey. Your baptism, inclusion in the life of a church family was, a, was the next step on that journey. Getting connected into a smaller group of believers who love you and praying for you, encourage you, that's, a, that's another step on that journey. But I, ha- I, wanna, I want you to understand this with all my heart. You need to understand that we're better together. You don't want to be the lone wolf out there. You don't want to be the person who's out there trying to do spiritual life on their own because that's not the way God designed it. And as you grow, what you're going to discover is the richness of God's love. And you're going to discover how you can show that love to a hurting and broken world who is in desperate, desperate need of it. You have the privilege of growing in the grace and knowledge of Jesus and sharing that grace and knowledge with others. And so let me kind of put a bow on this, tie it up. What might your life look like Day 41 and beyond. Here's what's available to you. First of all, God calls you into a relationship with him through his son Jesus. That's first. God calls you into a relationship. If you are not in a relationship with Jesus Christ, you don't have the resources for spiritual growth. That's the beginning. That, that's the start of your journey. As God comes in and you have that happy day where you say, you know what, I realize that I'm a sinner and that my sin has separated me from God and I have no hope of heaven on my own. But that God loved me so much he sent his son to die for me. And I receive Jesus as my Savior. And I choose him as my Lord. And I'm going to follow him for the rest of my life. And God does something marvelous. The Bible calls it being born again. Being born anew, a spiritual birth that takes place and you become a child of God. That's the beginning of the journey and some of you may need to take that step this morning, that step of faith onto that pathway of spiritual growth. For others, God calls you into his family through the life of his church. You see, you, you've been searching. You really have. You've been looking. and You've been wondering why spiritual growth is so hard on your own. The reason it's so hard is because God didn't design it that way. God designed you to be in a church family that loves you and cares for you and wants to help you grow. And Perhaps your next step on your spiritual journey today is to come and say, you know what, God is calling me to be a part of the life of a local church, and I believe it's Grace Fellowship. For some of you, God calls you to connect with other believers who can support you encourage you and hold you accountable on your spiritual journey. You may need to find a a group of believers who'll accept you just as you are, but who aren't willing to leave you there. A group of believers who'll love you, who'll study God's word with you, who'll help apply the scriptures in your life, who'll help move you along on your path. And if you need to find a group like that, it may be a little challenging this morning for you to say, hey, what's available? But But don't give up the pursuit. We want to let you know. You can call the church office. You can go on our website. There are all kinds of resources to find a way to connect with the life of a smaller group. For some of you, God is offering both spiritual intimacy and growth through His Holy Spirit if you're willing to embrace what He has to offer. The Bible does say you can quench the Holy Spirit. That means... You can pour cold water on what he's trying to do in your life. But what God wants for you is that you be filled with the Spirit and be filled with God's power so that you can become more like Christ and you can grow. And for some of you, God is calling you beyond the walls of this church building to express his grace and love in a world in desperate need of both. And that grace and love are expressed in your words as you share the good news and in your actions as you show How good God is. Now here's my question for you. Day 41 and beyond. What's God's next step for you? Whatever it is that God's speaking to you right now, I challenge you to take the next step.